Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to Episode 71, Muhammad Hamoud Models Empowerment. Here's a shout out to listeners in Michigan, a few of the cities, Detroit, East Lansing, East Point, Farmington, Grand Rapids, Grass Lake, Harrison, and Kalamazoo. With that, let's get started. What's your purpose? For Muhammad, it's empowering others. Muhammad consults and works with executives and professionals and does things like coach them, builds their culture, strengthens their leadership, and provides team building for their employees. Muhammad is also a podcaster and, you'll soon learn, is involved in politics. One person describes Muhammad this way. He writes, When he expresses his ideas, he is engaging, motivating, thought-provoking, whether that's in written communication, speaking to a group, or simply chatting with you over a cup of coffee. After listening to this episode, I think you'll agree. Part 1. The Fox and Little Prince Social connectivity is a crucial part of the human condition. And it's no consequence that one of the leadership principles I write about is titled, Connect with Others. When we are vulnerable and we are open about our mistakes, we begin to build trust and strengthen relationships. Being vulnerable and being congruent with what we say and what we think is how we connect with other people. In this story, Muhammad shares something a teacher said that affected him profoundly. Here's Muhammad. I was 19 and I was away from home for the first time in my life, studying at school just outside of Quebec City, a little town called La Poquetière in uh, the Laurentian Mountains, the province of Quebec here in Canada. I was really happy to be away, 19, away from home, meeting people, new to my life. And I really didn't want to come back uh, because life back in the small town where I grew up meant that I, I was bullied. I faced racism and discrimination. And yes, I love my family, but I was just having such a good time studying, being away for six weeks. Well, near the end, I had a, a traumatic experience. And coming out of that traumatic experience, days before I was set to come back to come back home to my small town, my teacher who was my teacher during the six weeks, she became a, a mentor and a friend. And she became somebody I respected and loved dearly. And as I was healing, she sat me down one day having supper and she said to me, and we spoke in French at the time. So our conversation was in French, but I will speak in English. At that time, I went by the name Mikel because I was still a closeted Muslim. I was afraid to use my birth name because of uh, discrimination. Oh. So she turned to me and she said, uh, Mikel, you know, in life, you're lucky if you have two good friends. You're lucky if you have just one true friend. Life is not all about the likes and having many people like you and be your friend. In life, you're lucky if you have just one true friend. And she referenced the, the you know, the little prince. I'm not sure if you read the, oh, yeah, yeah. right, by uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. In that, she referenced the, the fox and the little prince when the fox says to the prince, Come and meet me every day at four o'clock and don't be late because I will get to expect you every day. And when I don't see you, I will look at the wheat and I will see the color of the gold of the wheat and I will remember your golden hair. And then he teaches him that we don't see what the eyes, what is truly essential is invisible to the eyes that we see through the heart. And those words resonate to me to this very day. We don't see others 
through our eyes. We see them through our hearts. It is the hearts that grow blind and it's the hearts that give sight. And so when I meet new people, when I make new friends, when I treasure and cherish the few true friends that I have, it is because I've seen them truly through my heart. I'm amazed that is a beautiful story. And I'm glad you referenced The Little Prince. It is a great book. I'll even reference it in the show notes. It's amazing when you do find people that are really good friends, are true friends, because when you have them, you could be gone away from the person for years. Yeah. And then you get together, you just pick up the conversation. Exactly. You know, through the platforms like Facebook and all these virtual platforms today, it's easier to maintain those friendships. In the past, we used to write letters and maybe make the occasional call. And it was more difficult to maintain that friendship just so that it felt so natural when you reunited. And now I think with social media, it's easier, uh, no less authentic, I think, but definitely it's, it's, it's easier. There's that level of connection that you can have with a good friend, but there's also another level of connection that we have when we just interact with people we work with, that we get to know people that we associate with on a regular basis. And being able to build those connections is such a life lesson that I think we all really should build on. And it's a critical part of leadership. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. Leadership is not the ability to bring people together and to create human bridges, then I don't know what leadership is all about. I like the way you state it because that's very much a large part of it. And part of leadership is helping one another. And it's a bi-directional experience, meaning that how you help others grow and develop mentally and morally, they help you just by the fact that you're helping them. Absolutely. Part two, influence, politics, and leadership. Regardless of role, anyone can practice leadership. And when you do practice leadership, it's from the perspective of your role. And the nature of your role is a factor of how many people that your leadership affects. Well, at least to some extent. One of the consequences of leading is influencing And Muhammad shares with us how he plans to expand his sphere of influence. Here's Muhammad to explain. I will use my own story there. And that is, in 2019, I tried to get into politics. I uh, ran and got second place. But second place means you didn't win. Well, I'm trying again. I'm trying to get into politics because I want to make a change and have an impact on people in my community. I don't aspire to become a politician. I want to be able to use the position and the influence of the position to be able to reach as many people and have a positive impact and empower them. Politicians and leaders really need to serve. They shouldn't be in it for themselves or for the glory of what they get out of it. They really need to be in to figure out how the members in their community, just like we are as parents in a household, we raise our children to role model, not role play our value systems. In workplaces and in communities, we need to role model behavior that is inclusive, that helps other people thrive, that gives them a sense of belonging. And so while diversity is a fact, inclusion is a choice. And if we treat everybody equitably and make them feel like they belong, then we're making room at the tables where we sit and where decisions are made so that others can be part of the decision-making process. 
that's why I aspire to get into politics. That's why I aspire to wake up every day and help people become better leaders, better parents, better partners, better uh, work uh, colleagues, better leaders in our communities. Because, you know, our, our personas, while we may have different personas, depending on where we are and what role we're fulfilling, at the end of the day, we, we are unique and holistic individuals. We need to show up authentically. And we can only do that when we put down our guard and we let people know who we are and what we, you know, what we want to do and how we want to be the change that we want to see in the world. This world is about living together with others. So it's not just about change for ourselves, but it's causing the change. And as I mentioned earlier, how can we become human bridges where we are finding common ground for everyone to congregate and to celebrate our differences, become stronger because of them and not in spite of them? So that's my leadership story. It's what gets me out of bed. It's what gets me motivated to work with people and help them become better leaders through emotional intelligence. And it's hopefully what one day will propel me to connect with people in my community through service. The powerful thing or uh, amazing thing about being in politics is that you can influence decision or policy decisions. I can see where your values can interplay within your political message that you're communicating. Absolutely. One of the reasons I, I want to get into this, I, I spoke at a TEDx back in 2018. It was at the height of, um, I won't name any names, but we were during a certain presidential um, mm right and and just south of the border to us in Canada and it was a president that didn't really role model uh inclusive behavior it was very divisive politics and a lot of vitriol and so I spoke at Traverse City uh Awake and Aware and it was a day long and I anchored the TEDx program for that day and my message was one of love peace tolerance and acceptance and that while we may come from many different backgrounds we form one nation and that is humankind it's truly up to us to rewrite the definition of inclusion. So for me, getting into politics, it's not about the I, it's not about the we, it's about the us, it's about working together, it's about the inclusion, it's about writing those policies that reflect everyone. That's my ethos, that's my mantra. And you know, whether or not I get to do it in that role is a different story because, you know, this isn't like a job interview where you apply and you get the job because you have to win people's hearts and their votes any capacity, whether I'm doing it through coaching or my training or in my friendships, you know, I bring that part of who I am to the conversation. Yeah. Your mission doesn't change whether it's in politics or you're coaching or consulting with people. Absolutely not. What changes is maybe your level of influence and maybe your audience. You know, there's a strong linkage between leadership and politics. If you look up the definition of politics, it's the ability to influence. And John Maxwell's famous for generalizing leadership by saying leadership is influence and nothing more. I think that was a conversation starter, but there is a linkage there with the word influence. While I might lead a team or a department or a company, that's one way I can have an outcome or a result that involves influence. But when you're leading a town or a county or a state or a territory, that has a different level of influence opportunities. And I really appreciate how you're using politics as a way of having that inclusive influence with that approach. And I hope very much that you get elected. Thank you. I, so do I. So do I. <laughs> 
And, you know, I, I, I believe that if you let people weigh in, they'll buy in. That's why whether you're, you're leading at, in your home or at the workplace or in your community or in your country, involve people, let, involve them in decision-making. Uh, use your influence to lift them up and to raise them and, and be the sort of leader that inspires others to, to do better and to become better. So that's why, you know, and if, if you look at what I do in, in my business and my coaching, if you go on my LinkedIn, you'll, you'll see that I use the words involve, influence, and inspire. And that's what my business is all about, because I do believe that's our role. That's what leaders do. They involve others, they in, use their influence, and they inspire. And that's what draws us to leaders, not their authority and not their position, certainly not their money. Yeah. And if that's what drives us to leadership, then we're driving for the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. There's a human performance expert, Roger Kaufman, he's passed away. He's the one that in the field of human performance has expressed the idea that if we're going to practice making things better in the way of performance or how people work together, we need to do so that it actually makes a contribution towards society as a whole. He really challenged people in the field to think that way, that every action, whether how small, it's either adding towards improving society or it's not. So true. So true. Part three, becoming an active participant in your story. In episode 23, Sima Lieberman defines what diversity, equity, and inclusion mean. Learning these concepts can amplify how you lead. They tap into the moral side of building character. With that in mind, Muhammad advises on how we can strengthen our leadership, and diversity, equity, inclusion play a part in that. Here's Muhammad with his advice. First, start leading by yourself. Understand what leadership means to you, what gets you out of bed, what gives you the motivation to want to make a difference in the world. Yeah, and, you know, and Simon Sinek says, you know, what's your why? But let's go be before and beyond Simon Sinek. I, I truly appreciate what he brings to the arena of leadership. But I, I, I don't want people to think that leadership is anything new. We've been leading since the beginning of time. But why are we leading? And what is it that we're trying to accomplish through our leadership? If we're not trying to make the world a better place, a safer place, a more inclusive place, a place where we all belong, a place where we feel that we can be ourselves, we can express our thoughts and our love. And because of our gender, because of our difference, because of our orientation, because of our ethnicity, because of the language that we speak, because of the color of our skin, all these things that make us look and feel and behave differently, they can be the strengths that help us innovate and create. And so creativity can occur and make us more productive. And so in workplaces, when you accept diversity and promote it and embrace it and intentionally become inclusive and help people belong and treat people equitably, guess what? Your numbers show it. The data shows that workplaces are a lot more productive. They're a lot more innovative and creative. How are we as leaders promoting that mindset? How are we encouraging others to behave in that way? But also, how are we raising our children and our families in, in, in that same way? How are we promoting them to do better and to become better and, and to go beyond what we did as parents? How are we doing that in our community? You know, it's not right when members in our community are struggling with homelessness and substance abuse and affordability and housing issues. And, you know, we are struggling with different levels of privilege. And by that, I mean, I mean, you know, you and I are privileged. We have computers. We're using technology right now. Many people don't have access to that. When we look at equity and treating people equitably, it means what are we doing every day? What's our intention? 
how do we role model that behavior and not role play just empty words? So we need to make sure that if we want to be the change we want to see in the world, we have to start with ourselves. One thing that I picked up from the beginning of our conversation is that, and this is just a belief that popped in my head, so I have no evidence that you're a person of principle. It's almost like a blinding light how powerful your principles shine in what you say. It seems to resonate strongly with you. That's just my opinion. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. I'll tell you, because emotional intelligence is a skill, we learn to become better at it just like we ride a bike and we get better riding a bike. And so is that level of clarity. Clarity helps us become more confident in what we do and what we say and how we behave. And that confidence helps us embrace failure and successes so that we gain courage. And courage helps us stay committed. When I talk to leaders, I encourage them to understand those four C's, which is clarity, confidence, courage, and commitment. That is something that we build on. So we can learn to become stronger and better by becoming more dedicated to growing and having that growth mindset. What I often remind people is we're not born that way. I wasn't born so principled and so driven by wanting to make a difference. Circumstance allows us to make a decision to choose. And we can either sit back and watch things happen and be acted upon, or we can choose to act and be the principal lead in our narrative. The more that you become an active participant in your story, the more that you're going to see yourself aligned with values and your behaviors will reflect how you get things done. The way you've put it, you know, I'm principled and I'm driven by that, perhaps because I really believe in my values. Now, my values don't have to be your values. While we may have different values, we can still have a starting point to communicate and and to find commonality. I like the idea of of not having the same values because that gives us an opportunity to explore the variation of what those values are. And it seems that education and learning is also a big part of what you do. How can we not? For people who believe that we have a fixed mindset, that we are what we are, and that's it, what I've learned is what I've learned, then you may as well just stay sitting at the table where you are and, and you know, don't go far from your comfort zone. But for people who believe in embracing a growth mindset, it is about experimentation and it's about exploration, as you call it. And it's about recognizing that you're not going to have similar or same values of, as others. And that's okay. It's recognizing the different values. Don't let those values create division. So if you look what's happening in the world right now, there's so much divisiveness. There's so much division. We don't have to live through that ignorance of either not knowing or the ignorance of becoming hateful and violent. The minute you choose to learn, the minute you choose to embrace the growth mindset, you have to leave ignorance behind. If you move forward in a direction that you want to be the positive change in the world, then you also leave hatred and violence behind. And that's why leaders have to embrace inclusion and recognize that it's part of the equation. You know, there's so much talk today about diversity and inclusion, but it's empty talk until we recognize that diversity is all around us. It's a fact. The colors in the trees and in nature and in our creation and our evolution, whatever you believe, diversity is there. You can't deny it.
but you have to make a choice to recognize diversity. And the more you make an intentional choice to recognize diversity, the more inclusive you become, the more open you are to different ideas and different value systems. And the more you're willing to treat people equitably and respectfully, the more you allow others space in your world to belong. And so for me, it's opening those doors that people didn't even know existed, helping them find them, and then walking in together into that safe space and sitting down at a table and being equal partners in, in a conversation, breaking bread together. And that's what leadership, true leadership is all about. So whether you're at home, at work, in your community, leading your workplace, leading your household, or leading a country, you can apply those beliefs and really become a leader that others aspire to become like, like you. Beautifully stated. I do have one request. That is, you introduced some terms. I'd just like you to briefly explain them. This concept of fixed and growth mindset. Could you say a few, a little bit about each? Sure. If you believe you have a fixed mindset, then we have all the information and the knowledge that we have. We're not going to learn. You know, it's the idea that we know everything that we already know. A growth mindset means that there's so much more for us to learn and to experiment and even to make mistakes, but it's to take that first step. And people with a growth mindset aren't afraid to, to try to explore and to experiment and to get things wrong and to realize that failure is just another opportunity to get right back up. You know, if you really want to read a great book about the growth mindset, Carol Duick, I believe she's a professor at Stanford. She wrote the book. A growth mindset. Quick read, but it helps you understand that you know you can get up on your bike and learn to ride it, and that's it. Or you can get on the bike, take off the training wheels, go on your own, remove your you know your hands from the handlebars, go down the street. You can explore new places that you haven't been, and that's part of growing. It's part of evolving, embracing that we're here to learn and to continuously evolve. That's why learning is great. Knowledge is great. It helps you gain wisdom, but only when you put it into action. So growth mindset helps you do that. My thanks to Mohammed Hamoud. If you'd like to learn more about Mohammed, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or a comment, go to unlabelleadership.com, click the message icon, and leave a voicemail up to one minute. I'd like to thank those who contribute to the show. Your contributions offset some of the production costs. And it makes a difference because this is a volunteer service. Finally, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, lead on.